What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, the wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's a lot, uh, lot sunnier this week. Feels a lot brighter outside. Yes. Despite it getting cooler. Indeed. Um, and I, I'm just happy to be back in Atlanta. I've been traveling too much, man. Well, you were in Chicago last weekend, right? Yeah. In a variety that, of strange parties, weird sex, things like that. Well, I don't know about all that, but <laughs> I saw like a store at the airport. No, there's a bar at the airport dedicated to the White Sox. Ugh. That's just strange. That's depressing. All these Cubs fans everywhere still all depressed about oh, losing yeah. their brutal losses. I have no sympathy for them after they won the World Series. But they only have one. Yeah, and they have six NBA titles. Get the fuck out of here. Imagine you if your team lost back-to-back days. Yeah, I would suck. Elim- elimination But games. I would still have some, take some solace two in different the fact teams. that I won a World Series two years ago. We'll see. I don't know. But I'm happy to be a bit. I would relish the opportunity to have that. I got you, Graham. I hear you. I want one as well. Yeah. But we got uh, Atlanta sports back on tonight. We do. And we actually have a lot. Uh, yeah, the Hawks opening up the season. Uh, today, the day of this recording, is uh, October 17th, 2018. Yeah, a, a much bigger show than anticipated in terms of what's happening around Atlanta sports. Um, you know, you would, you would think with the Falcons being, you know, two and four, brave season over, Hawks just getting started with a team that's definitely rebuilding that we wouldn't have a, a, a packed show, but we definitely do. Lots happened over oh, yeah. the last week. <laughs> Says the guy, of course, the guy who's been in Chicago uh, doesn't know anything that's been happening. I think I know some things, Graham. Okay. Well, we got a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, let's open up with some Braves news, Adam, since they're still fresh in our mind. Yeah, we ta- pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, we, we called this we, shit. We nailed it. Yeah. Um, multiple things. So Brian Snicker got re-signed. Two-year deal, as I stated, because it would be a slap in the face to give him another one-year deal. Right. With an option for a third year. Mm-hmm. And the whole coaching staff is coming back minus Chuck Hernandez, which we also said, Graham. Keith Hernandez. No. Isn't it Keith? Keith Hernandez is the um, the Mets guy. That was oh, on, you're right. That, that was on asshole. Seinfeld. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're and right. It's, what did he say about us this year? He's, he was talking shit about Acuna because um, he's like, oh, yeah, Acuna definitely deserved to be hit there. That's just the way the game is. Yeah, he's also talking shit about our bullpen and how none of these guys are even major leaguers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. With his... You know, embarrassment of a bullpen is like 25, 30 game under 500 team. Exactly. He can, he can get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So, but we, we fired Chuck Hernandez, not Keith Hernandez. Nah, I wish they would have fired Keith Hernandez in conjunction with our firing of Chuck Hernandez. Yes. But, you know, they, they might be related. Say la vie. Uh, yeah. That was the only one I think that we agreed on last week where we said that's probably, you know, some people pointed to sites or about, you know, in terms of if you had to do a power ranking of, of people to potentially be fired before the decision was made. Hernandez was at the top, sure. given the bullpen struggles uh, and, the, and the team's general struggles, especially in the, in the postseason. So, yeah, the, I mean the, the walks thing. Yeah, the walks sure. was was really rough. So, yeah, I, I felt really good about Snicker, and you know he was saying after, when he was being interviewed, you know I want to be here. Uh, I, I've said it before. I said it when we clinched the division. I'm a Brave. I'm, I'm really happy to be back. Um, it's very easy going press conference, uh, everyone, but with a, with a sense of confidence heading into next season. Yeah, we've got stability now. Yeah. Uh, GM going into his second year now, manager going into his fourth year? Started in 2016, early in 2016, so. It's 
16, 17, 18. 19. This will, be his, next, this will be his fourth year. The next up. year will be fourth year. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's really good news. Um, there's been some differing reports out there uh, between Mark Bowman, Dave O'Brien, and others that have speculated on the Braves' payroll in the offseason. O'Brien, before the press conference, put it at $30 million. Bowman, after the press conference, said it's probably going to be closer to $60 million. $30 million increase. Oh, I thought it meant like free money to work with. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're saying the same thing. Okay. Not like that would be our total payroll, but that would be the, you know, we would have $60 million extra dollars to play with. That's yeah. what Bowman is speculating. That's not confirmed. Anthopolis did say that he's going to have a shit ton more money to work with. So hopefully, you know, if we have $60 million, that means we can go out and get that big superstar, whatever that is in free agency that we're, that we're looking for. Which is good news. Yeah, but it's all. I mean, it's also you, as Anthopolis pointed out. A, there's no advantage for him putting what that amount is out into the world. No, not at all. Because so, then, then a player can fuck you. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to know that until you know the season starts. And it, I don't. I don't think we're going to get Machado or Harper. Probably not. Um, more likely, as Anthopolis pointed out, a lot of this thirty to sixty million would be spent on incoming contracts. And trades. Right. And I think, too, with the the lack of, you know, like we talked about last week, the big pitcher on the free agent market is um, Patrick Corbin out of Arizona, who we talked about had an outstanding season last year, and then Machado and, and Harper. The likelihood of us getting, you know, especially Machado and Harper is slim. Corbin, you don't know. But I'm excited because with trades, it's like we have no idea. You can speculate all day about specific trades and whatnot. People maybe wanted to unload, um, you know, a contract or a guy where when they're not contending. But we have no idea what's going to happen with free agency. We know who the free agents are, but with, with specific trade targets, we have no idea how that's going to shake out. That could be Bumgarner. That could be Real Muto out of uh, the catcher for the Marlins. You know, that could be anyone. So that, that's kind of a more exciting prospect in some in some respects. Yeah, and more realistic, obviously, because that seems like the path we're going to go down. Yeah, Real Muto kind of seems. Like, if I could pinpoint one th- and say, I think this is going to happen, mm-hmm. it'd be real mu- real Muto. We'd have to give up uh, a good amount for him. And this is actually something that kind of caused my heart to palpitate a little bit was Anthopolis was kind of like, which we knew was coming, but it was just sort of the, the brashness, at least is what I inferred from his, I, I, I read it. Uh, I read his quote, I didn't, I didn't hear him, but the brashness, the audacity, the temerity that he had when he said, yeah, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was like, "Oh yeah, now I know exactly what we have, so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going for it, pretty much. Like I'm, no one is off limits to be traded. Fuck that shit. I'm ready to rock." And so it was kind of like, "Oh Jesus, well, don't give up Tuki Toussaint for Christ's sake, or well, you know, uh, Acuna is the only untouchable. Acuna or Freddie Freeman, for love of God. I don't think, I don't think any one of those guys is gonna be considered. But he pretty much said like anyone can be traded. So screw it. Tuki could be traded. I don't think he's that untouchable. No, I don't think so either. But I mean. I think that guy's ceiling is so high. I know we have an embarrassment of riches in terms of pitching prospects, but I think he showed this year that, I mean, that snap on his curveball, the fastball velocity, he profiles as a classic power pitcher, good head on his shoulder, seems like a good kid, really young too. I mean, I, I think it would be a mistake to trade him, but of course that's all speculation. Yeah. But just know that we're not going to get the same offseason we got last year. Anthopolis is ready to deal. He's ready to win. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, this is kind of his M.O. in – Toronto was making right. big deals. Some of them worked, some of them didn't, but you can't fault him for not trying to make things happen. Yeah, it's kind of like 
me and fantasy uh, sports, baseball, or football, I just kind of sit around and like hold on to my trades, my draft, uh, like everyone on my roster, not wanting to trade them, and then I never win anything, Graham. Sure. And you, and you, you got to be aggressive. You sometimes. don't have any balls. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So we need a GM that is not scared to trade some prospects away. Sure. Just don't Frank Ren us. Just don't to share yeah. us. Yeah, don't 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 go out and sign, you know, a player clearly on the downward trajectory like a BJ Upton, as you can hear probably the sirens going by, you know, as we start talking about BJ. But don't don't sign a player whose on base percentage was below three hundred coming into the season uh, to a seventy five million dollar five year contract. Just because he's available. Just because he's available, and it's like, oh, we want to get a big name, yeah. and I guess Speech Upton's a big name. Uh, so, yeah. So I think exciting times await in the, for the Braves off season. Is there anything else you wanted to you wanted to touch on there before we move on? With the Braves, um, yeah, that about covers it for the Bravos for me. Yeah, and I'd say last thing I'd have to say is, in stark contrast to last week, I feel really excited now. Like I've accepted that we lost and I'm ready to move on. Whereas last week, I think I was sitting around sort of like, you know, I I felt like my dog had been accidentally shot and it was mortally wounded and they tried to euthanize the animal humanely and they couldn't do it. So they had to shoot him again right in front of me. Uh, That's how I felt last week. This week. Your dog's ears are going back. Yeah. I probably shouldn't say this in front of you, Jed. I'm sorry, buddy. He's looking at me like, Jesus, what a morbid Son of a bitch. Yeah, it's messed up, Graham. Yeah. But, I mean, that's how I, I, I felt awful. I felt absolutely awful. This week, I'm filled with hope and optimism and all that good shit. And I can't wait for the World Series to be over so that we can get started on free agency and, uh, and trades and the offseason officially. Yep. So. It's so far away. That's what sucks. Yeah. You got baseball's at, still going you on. Yeah, at least another couple weeks. Yeah. So, let's, let's transition to Falcons, Adam. For the first time since week two, the Falcons uh, won a game. A glimmer of hope, if you want to call it that. Uh, the off, it was 34-29 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Once again, offense was great. Uh, the defense had a couple of fortuitous moments where they picked off Jameis Winston two times. Um, I would put that more on him than on the Falcons' defense. Even though KZ did get another pick this yeah, week. Yeah, fill me in a little bit because I, I was uh, at the airport during all this and I tried to log into the Fox Sports Go. Right. And I assumed it just went with your local feed, but it did not. Oh. I had the Bears game. Oh, so that's then I awful. tried YouTube TV. Right. It was the same thing. That's awful. Bears game. Bears game. And I was like, I'm not going to sit here and watch the damn Bears game. I don't give a shit. It was actually a pretty exciting game. But anyway, yeah, so. It was, once again, another back-and-forth affair. Once again, Matt Ryan was throwing... It was, like, the same thing we've watched, like, every week, honestly, since, since all those guys... since all Well, no, since all those guys went down right. this uh, this year. It's pretty much been Matt Ryan throwing daggers. The running game can't really get anything going, even though Ito Smith flashes brilliance. He had a touchdown again for the third straight week. Um, Julio had a huge game, 10 catches, 147 yards, and, of course, no touchdowns because... Julio can't get a touchdown. Seems like they're not even targeting him in the red zone anymore. No, and and you know what? I I'm, fine. I think that's fine because, like as we said, Falcons were. I mean, Matt Ryan's like one for twenty six targeting Julio in the in the red zone over the last what two two seasons or something like that. So I saw. Hey, I saw today where we are like. I mean, one of our biggest weaknesses coming into this season was red zone offense, right? And now we're the fourth best team in the league in terms of uh, efficiency. 
percent touchdown percentage is like sixty three percent. Right. Um. So yeah, it was it was just another one of those games where it's a big shootout. Um, the the offense especially was clicking in the first half, and then they kept cutting to Mike Smith and the. Uh, yeah, you know, he wasn't on the field. He was in the in the booth or whatever, and he just looked so depressed. Yeah, it looked like he was sitting up there by himself too. Yeah, he was just sitting there. Just he just I I, I can't imagine what was going through his head. He knew he was on a short leash because he just given up forty five points to the Bears um, a couple weeks ago. He knew heading off a of bye week that he really had to go have a good show in, and he was just getting torn up by the by the by the very team that gave him his head coaching opportunity, and then he went to like five playoffs and. Almost went to a Super Bowl I mean, with. Why is their defense so awful? It can't just be Smitty. No, it can't be. I mean, they really upgraded their defensive line, especially over the off season. So I, I was expecting their defense to actually have a pretty big. Um, I mean, not to say that they were going to be great or anything, but I expected a lot more than what we got. I mean, they had just blown assignments, um, bad routes to the ball. They were just getting run over um, every which way in terms of when we were passing the ball, they were shutting down the run pretty effectively, but it's in the first half, we, we could pass all over them with, with reckless abandon and they couldn't stop anybody. Uh, unfortunately though, Smitty actually made an adjustment for the first time in the history of his coaching career. And we couldn't get anything going in the, in the third quarter. Really? I don't think we scored. Do you know what they were doing differently? I, you know what? I wasn't really analyzing the game that much. My head wasn't in it as much as it normally was just cause I was like, here we fucking go. Just staring blankly. I was pretty much team. staring blankly. Um, yeah. But we, we just could not they – were, they were getting more pressure on Matt. They'd only got one sack, but they were getting more pressure on him, and it just – the offense just wasn't, wasn't clicking. Something was off about that, that um, third quarter. Fourth quarter, they got it going. Unfortunately, during the second half, the Tampa Bay got back into the game. Um, I'd also like to say Dan Quinn pulled another one of his classic game mismanagement issues at the end of the first half. Um, Tampa Bay had the ball with like a minute 20 – and instead of calling a timeout, you know, he let them sort of run down the clock to about 30 seconds left before they kicked a, I believe they kicked a field goal. Um, and so we only had like 30 seconds and we got a field goal to end the half, but it was like, we could have easily scored another touchdown yeah. the way our offense was rolling. So it's like, why the hell didn't he call a timeout? What do you think the deal is with that? Like, that's something like so basic that like what, yeah. a guy like myself that can't even analyze the effectiveness of an offensive line. Right. I understand. Hey, call a timeout. Yeah. Or Hey. Let the clock run here, De- right? Depending on who has the ball. Sure, and you know if you want another chance to score, which we definitely did because we were very aggressive when we got the ball back. But there's only like 20 seconds left, so it's like we just got to move the ball up as close as we can to give Matt Bryan a chance. Yeah. So we had the ball near the end of the game, driving down the the field, but we we sort of stall out. It's going to be like a 57 yard kick, and so we're near the 40 yard line. And so if we miss that kick, there's still like a minute left in the game. So with the way our defense had been playing, they were going to clearly march down the field and probably score. You know, just all I needed was a field goal to win. Yeah, if you so miss that kick. So it was either try to pin them deep with the horrible, what has become a horrible Matt Bosher, or you attempt to kick a really long field goal. Dan Quinn makes the, makes the choice to kick the field goal, and Matt Bryant, of course, nails it because he's Matt Bryant. Unfortunately, he pulled his hamstring right when he did it. People are blaming Quinn for that. I mean, I, mean, I think you have. To, I think that was actually the right decision. You can't trust your offense in that situation. I can't remember how far it was to go, but you don't want to try and go for it there just out of principle. So it's yeah. like, why not trust one of the top three kickers or top five kickers in the league to go do his job when right. you know he can absolutely do it? So because it doesn't matter where they get their ball, they're going to score. Like there, there's no way we weren't at least giving up a field goal. Right, and you know? if you at least if you make this field goal, 
you're you force them to score a touchdown, and you're hoping because you've you've picked off Winston twice, maybe he makes another mistake. So Matt Bryant makes the field goal, very dramatic. So that was awesome. And so they get the ball back. They're driving down the field, of course. But time's running out. I think they ran out of timeouts. Only had one left. They burned it. So there's like, gets to the point where there's like 10 seconds left or something. They're on their own 30. And so you think they're going to pass it. Even Julio Jones comes in in the game, and he's got to, you know, to play deep, you know, super deep safety. safety. Yeah. And so instead of instead of throwing it, and we drop almost everyone back in coverage except our, our Dean Lyman, he just runs it right up the middle. Winston he just runs it right at the middle, and he's and he start la- doing a lateral fest, and it keeps going and going, and we cannot stop anyone. But they look as discombobulated as we are; like they're fumbling the ball around, just throwing it like yeah. maniacs. It looked like something in a backyard football game or something. Adam Humphreys gets the ball near the sideline at about like the five ten yard line, something like that, and he throws it to Deshaun Watson, but it's a terrible lateral and it goes out of bounds. But there was no one around Deshaun Watson. If that had been a clean lateral. He would have scored. There's no doubt in my mind he would have scored. We would have lost the game in, in classic true to Atlanta fashion. Although, I heard somebody from the Bucks uh, radio saying that, that probably wasn't a legal play. Yeah, and like, I, I had I, it worked out for him. Yeah, I heard some people say that too. Um, but who knows? Who but, knows? But yeah, it was if, still we, scary. if we had lost that game like that, yeah, I think I'm done for like for the year. Yeah, arguably. Yeah, no, it was it was awful. But you know what? I think the only reason it didn't work is because we had Dirk Cutter and Mike Smith on the opposite end. They out Falcons, Falcon themselves. Some some Falcon mojo was working against them, sure. and, and luckily it was it was on our. <laughs> they still have a bit of a little bit of Atlanta in them, right? Exactly. But big to get that win. Also, yeah. Julio looked pretty good out there. Oh, he safety. looked great at safety. Oh, at safety. No, oh, yeah. he might be our best safety. Probably. Well, I don't know. KZ looks really good. So, have you seen some improvement from the defense? Um, we weren't getting a lot of pressure. Once again, we were getting torn up, absolutely slaughtered by the quarterback. Uh, Winston, despite throwing three picks, still threw for 395 yards, had all time, all day. There's no impetus, once again, no impetus to, to blitz and extra pressure, and we just get torn apart. It's just the same old shit. Fortunately, though... Um, we got a couple picks. We got a couple picks. That's improvement. Yeah, I mean, once again, I sort of put that more on Jameis, but I mean, at the end of the day, this well, team, our guys caught it, unlike Trufant dropping everything. Right. At the end of the day, this, this team is what it is: good passing game, mediocre running game, awful defense. Why do you think that they're not using Coleman more? Like he's he's only getting like fifteen touches a game. He only got ten carries this um, this like, game for thirty five yards. Especially now with the news that Devonte Freeman is. Probably out for the year. Well, I think it's once again. I think it goes back to Sark's inability to be able to utilize running backs. He doesn't know how to balance his running back tandem. It's not a you know a sixty five thirty five split or seventy thirty. It's like fifty two forty nine. It's it's just like no one can get in a rhythm out there. It's interesting. Usually when Freeman is out, he he does tend to give um, excuse me Coleman more opportunities, but it just doesn't seem like that's happening now, especially. I think now that Ito is, is starting to prove himself, he just now he's got three touchdowns in, in his last three games, and he had a really nice 14, 15, I don't know, 14 or fifteen yard run against the Bucks on a um, play outside, and man, he looks really good. So I think now it's getting to the point where maybe he's being a little conflicted on how to use the running backs again because now he's getting more production out of Ito Smith, well, and now, I think now he, it's just two guys he's got to worry about. Well, it's, yeah, but it's the same principle. It's just like when Devontae and and, right. and Tevin Coleman are are in the game together. 
I think now that Ito's proven himself, now he's having that same old conundrum. Oh, I don't know how to use them. And it's kind of horseshit. I, I, I just think that you should be running Coleman into the ground right now. I, agree. I Last totally year he's going to be on our team. Yeah, I think you've got to give him the ball 70% of the time, if not 80%. And he needs to be utilized more on passing outs. Um, I know he's he is lining up as a receiver more often, which I like to see, but I want to see him actually get some touches because, you know, he's lining up against linebackers. You know, he has mismatches all day. So, you know, use him in the flat more. Use him um, on play-action rollouts. Uh, you know, get him more involved in the game in other ways to maybe try to open up the running game because we're not doing that right now. Although here we are complaining about an offense that's been scoring 30-plus points a game. Of course, of course. But, I mean, it is a part of the offense that needs to improve because we are very one-dimensional. Um, offensively, and unfortunately, the it's on the offense now, like we've been saying for a while, to to put up thirty five plus points, or there's no chance in hell that we have a chance to win. How many picks has your boy Matt Ryan thrown this year? I think he's only thrown that one, and in, in the Eagles game. Like I don't remember any picks in the red zone. He threw that really. Did he th- throw one against the Steelers? No, I think he only has one interception. I mean, he's putting up great numbers. Another game where he has 350-plus yards and three touchdowns. I mean, really, the only bad games he's had was the Eagles game where he just had a bad game. And, the uh, and you know, you can blame Sark or whatever you want to do. And the Steelers game where he was getting murdered out there because the offensive line couldn't block anybody. So yeah. Matt's having a fantastic season. Yeah, he's on pace to perform better than his MVP season. Yeah. So at least that'll shut up the Matt Ryan haters for a little while. Right. And he surpassed Joe Montana in terms of, um, I think he's, what, 16th all-time in terms of passing touchdowns now? Touchdowns, yeah. Obviously a different game than it was then. Obviously he ran the ball more and defense could actually hit people without uh, you know them being perceived as villains and drawing unnecessary penalties. But even still, hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, that's, a, that's kind of like a longevity stat because like Vinny Testaverde – is the next on the list. Right, I don't think Vinny Testaverde is better than Joe Montana. Not at all. But it's still, you know, good for Matt. Um, Another notch in the belt. Of course. So now we get more injury news, Adam. And in, in the Tampa Bay game, Mohamed Sanu got hurt. Calvin Ridley got hurt. Uh, really was having a really nice game before he came out, too. I think he had like three catches for 43 yards going, like he was early in the second quarter or something like that. And then, and then of course, Matt Bryant is now hurt. And then we also get the news this week that Devontae Freeman is officially being placed on the IR with a groin injury. It's the first I've heard of him having a groin injury. He's had foot, knee, you know, brain injury, whatever. But he, he, it feels like every part of his body is injured. But now we hear he's got a groin injury, and that's putting him on the IR. So do you think this is just fluky, or is this some sort of like training and conditioning thing? To go from, like, zero injuries last year to, I mean, I'm just waiting for Matt to go down. I know. Well, oh, you're talking about the team in general? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't know. I think it's I think it's probably a little fluky, honestly. I mean, I've never seen a team be absolutely obliterated by injuries in the way that this team has been. At least Falcons team. I've never seen anything like this. I think it's that turf at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I feel like it's the curse of Atlanta sports. The best chance we've had to actually, like, going into the season to go to the Super Bowl is crushed because we're hosting the Super Bowl. That's that's sort of in my head what it is. Oh, know, yeah, the even, Super yeah, Bowl thing. Yeah, even though I know that's like bullshit and, and sort of superstitious, yeah. but that's what keep keeps coming back, creeping into my mind. I keep um, telling you, Graham, when you die, you're going to meet the, the sports god and he's going to tell you that he was just fucking with you the I whole time. I just want to know why. Just tell me, give me a reason. 
That's a good point. If you give me a reason, you probably I can, I said can something ridiculous, like after the Braves won the first World Series, we're gonna win, we're gonna win, win every next year. year. Yeah, next year. Ah. Yeah. And then he's like, "All right, I got something for you, kid." Right. <laughs> Jim Larritz. Jim Larritz. Fucking Colin Kaepernick. Ah, uh, so many. Juan Sam Uribe. Holbrook. Juan Uribe. The list goes on. Um, LeBron James. Sam Holbrook. I hate Sam Holbrook. Uh, so, <clears throat> so yeah, now, now it appears Sanu, or not Sanu, but it appears really is going to be all right. He might be in doubt for this week, but it appears he's going to be all right. Matt Bryant's also missing the game this week. Uh, not sure what's going to happen to Mo Sanu. So the offense definitely took a hit so now. Justin Hardy's got to step up. Yeah, he didn't do much. Um, it, it really came down to honestly going back to Julio in that fourth quarter that, that allowed us to score more points because I think... Even though Smitty made some adjustments, losing both Sanu and Ridley definitely caused the offense to, to uh, stall a little bit, for sure, because those are two key contributors. Yeah, it's understandable. And this is our first time seeing these uh, offensive injuries. Yeah, with the exception of Levitre and, and Freeman, it had been pretty clean offensively, yeah. especially with the, the, the skill position players. players. Um, so we'll see how that affects us going into this week. Uh, we play the Giants on Monday Night Football, which I'm sure ESPN is just regretting the shit out of that. At two least, two and four Falcons versus one and five Giants. Better than one and five versus one and five. That is true. Why do they think the Giants were? Because I've seen the Giants on a lot of primetime games already. It's just because they, I mean, they were the, one of the worst teams in the league last year. Yep, huge market. So just because they got Saquon Barkley, they think they're going to magically be amazing. I think it's more of the Odell Beckham factor. He's a lightning rod for um, tension. In controversy, so and he continues to, to to be so this year. That's a good point, Graham. And it's also the biggest market in America. So I mean, you got you want to get New York some exposure, even if they have a, a shitty team. If they have stars, people want to see those stars. But yes, we play the Giants on Monday. It'll be interesting to see how. Uh, and they're an awful team. They have a despicable offensive line. Eli Manning looks like he belongs in a retirement community as opposed to being on the football field. They're a mess uh, emotionally, especially with. Odell Beckham continuing to cause problems in the press, uh, not being focused. However, one thing we do got to watch out for <laughs> is the Saquon Barkley kid. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. Yeah, this guy is amazing. Him? I mean, uh, I think they were on Thursday Night Football this week, and it was the first time I really got a chance to watch him play. Obviously, you see him fill up the stat sheet. But, I mean, against a – you know, the Eagles defense isn't as good this year as it was last year, but I think he had like 180 all-purpose yards. I mean, he's a great receiver, good runner. He's going to absolutely destroy this defense in every single respect. I will say that it looked like we covered the running backs a little bit better in the passing game this week. It doesn't matter against this guy. He's, he's going to eat for days, and honestly, he's the key to them winning the game if they win. So we're looking at a classic uh, Falcons go up. Barkley keeps running all over us. Defense can't get any stops. Right. Um, we were up maybe like 10. Yep. Going into the fourth. Giants take the lead, and let's hope for a Nikio Tachavivio field goal. Right, the guy we just we just signed. Yes. Can you repeat his name for the users? I out believe there? it's Nikio Tachavivio. I know he was in training camp, and I believe he was on the Raiders last year. He's he's played in the NFL. He's yeah. got he's got a couple years under his belt. So it's it's not like we're bringing in that kid from Florida State who was the second round pick. Oh, a Gallo or Guayo, yeah. whatever so, his I mean, name is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly going to come down to, like, we're going to tear up their, their defense is awful. 
Like we're gonna, t- it's gonna be the same thing offensively. Matt's gonna have a big game. He's gonna throw for three touchdowns probably, and they're gonna run all over us. And it's just gonna come down to can we stymie at least limit Barkley from absolutely destroying us? Yeah, I mean they did almost beat the Panthers a couple weeks ago. Yeah, if it weren't for the Panthers kicker Gano hitting a. Sixty-three yard. Right, right. So they're not totally incapable of, of, no, of hanging with good teams, let alone shit teams like ours. So yeah. it'll. Uh, it, I think it's going to be actually a more interesting game than a lot of the national media is, is, is letting on. Just in terms of at least it's going to be entertaining. There's going to be a lot of fireworks. Sure. Um, even though Eli Manning can't really play anymore. Yeah, the Giants have an awful offensive line, which has given Eli basically no time. But against our awful pass rush, they might look great. I'm sure. I mean, and that's the problem, too. It's like this defensive line has had opportunities to, to feast this year with depleted offensive lines. I mean, excuse me, de- depleted offensive lines, and they haven't capitalized. And even though Tack, like Tack and Vic are just non-existent right now. Yeah, and Tack had that big three-stack game against Cincinnati, but since then it's been pretty pretty quiet. And I know he got banged up in the Steelers game, but we need him to really bring the fire next week because – they can't run the ball every freaking play. So when Eli drops back, we got to take advantage of that. Right. Anyway, so there's some mock draft out already. And uh, they had the Falcons picking fourth. Whew. Which I'm thinking maybe they're just basing it on current standings. We're not going to be the fourth worst team in the NFL. I think as long as Matt Ryan stays healthy, which I'm sure now I've said that, all his limbs will inexplicably fall off tomorrow. Yeah, we've put that out of the world twice on this episode already. Yeah, we, we should be... We probably won't be the fourth worst team. We'll be like eight and eight. Yeah, I think best case scenario... I was looking at the schedule the other day, and I was just thinking about it. And even if we get Deion Jones back and all that, I think best case scenario, we probably finish seven and nine at this rate. Um. Just because there's so much ground to make up, we have this is the easiest part of our schedule going against uh, teams like, you know, the Giants, which are awful. The Browns, who even though they played better, are still the Browns. They still have a lot of growing pains. Um, Redskins, who even though they beat Carolina, aren't great. But you know, we just have we have some tough games down the stretch against you know Ravens team that's got the best defense in the league. Of course, we've got to play Carolina at Carolina. We usually lose that game. The Saints at the Saints will get destroyed. You know, there's just unless Deion Jones is back. Even if he's back, I think we still get just steamrolled, just because the Saints seem like just a juggernaut right now. Uh, and I don't know. I just think seven and nine is probably your best case scenario in any playoff aspirations. Even though we won last week, I don't think that's throw best, them at the door. I don't think that's best case scenario, Graham. I still have a glimmer of hope. You have a glimmer of hope. You think a playoff playoff run is not like a run in the playoffs? I think nine and run nine and seven is possible. It's possible, and you know, with how you know. Poorly, uh, you know, see overall has performed. I mean, that, that might be yeah. able to get you in the dance. So if you're saying, so you're saying seven and nine is not the best case scenario, then. I mean, in your world, in my world, it is. In your world, maybe it's not. What about in the Falcons' world? In the Falcons' world, it's hard to tell. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking right now. I think they just got to take it one one game at a time. As stupid as yeah, that sounds, that's what you're gonna do. They can easily work, maybe not easily, but they, they have, it is possible they could definitely work themselves back to 500, if not um, six and four by the time this, this stretch of games ends. It does kind of suck that all of our home games are basically gone. Yeah, we've had a lot of home games. They're going to be on the road a lot. Um, but I don't know. I, I still think, and, you know, the Cowboys are another team we have to play on this stretch. I'm not really afraid of them. I mean, I'm afraid of Zeke, but, you know, 
Dak has been incompetent, and even though their defense is good, I think we can run with them. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of like this is the time, though, obviously. Every loss, we're kind of in the coffin right now. Every loss is a nail in that coffin. You can't afford, you can only afford to lose one out of your next, what, five games right now. So it, it, they have no room for error, in my opinion. They, they got to win, you know. Get a little confidence going and they could go on a run. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, this is, honestly, even though it was, it was kind of a, a, sh- a shitty win against a shitty team, it was still like this show that they still had a pulse left. Yeah, there's no, there's no, no one's given up here. Uh, you know, especially, you know, it's great to see Matt Ryan still going out there playing like, you know, we're trying, we're like we're a hardcore Super Bowl contender. They're not. They're, if they're thinking about this stuff, at least on offense, it's not affecting their play. So even defense, I mean, they're trying. It's not like they're they're you know just sitting there not doing anything. No, no I mean, one wants to lose. No one wants to lose. It's not like this team's given up. Or you know, I've heard a lot of people be like, "Oh, why don't we tank for draft picks and all that shit?" And then we kind of touched on that last week. But you know, you don't want to see your football team go do that. No, for the love of God. So we'll see what happens down the stretch. But Giants next week, Monday Night Football at the Benz. So Adam, let's briefly have a Hawks season preview here. Well, the season's already started, Greg. It's already started, but we can at least give our thoughts on what we think about the team heading into this year. I feel a lot more positivity also moving, like, Budenholzer era's done. Yep, it had its time. <clears throat> it was it was a solid run with the best season in Atlanta Hawks history mixed in there <clears throat> as well. But that's over. It is. I like what I've seen from the uh, few Hawks promotional videos featuring uh, – Lloyd Pierce. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good job. You got his name right. <laughs> <laughs> um, he just seems like more of a guy you want in place during a quote-unquote rebuild. Yeah, and to speak to that, I was reading an article today where he was just talking about how excited he is to be here. And it wasn't just like the typical, you know, the prototypical, oh, I'm, I'm excited this, I'm excited that. He actually, like, it seemed genuine. He's, he's been loving getting to know the other sports teams. He's gone to a Dream game, Falcons game, Hawks game. I mean, not Hawks game, <laughs> Braves game. Uh, he's going to be at a lot of Hawks games this year. And he's like, I, I just feel the love of the city. I want to get involved in the community. And, and, and he already had some inaugural uh, thing where he, you know, underprivileged kids were coming to a, a coach's clinic where he's showing them fundamentals of basketball and stuff like that. So sometimes he's getting involved in the community. He's embracing this opportunity. And he's not... Um, and he's going to have fun with it, but he's going to be serious. And I like, too, that he's bringing a more defensive mind to these Atlanta Hawks, which is something I feel like we've lacked in the Boldenholzer era as much as we love what those teams, well, you know, mostly the the, the 60 win team brought offensively. You know, defensively, I've always thought they they uh, were lacking. So I'm, I'm glad, especially with a such a young team, right, that he's going to bring uh, a, a lot of knowledge and, and still a lot of uh, defensive values in this team, more so than maybe someone else would had uh, given this to, you know, a more offensively-minded guy. Because then I'm, the fear would be that, you know, guys like Trey Young, who really needs to work on his defense, he has some flaws in his game, especially defensively. Like, he's a bad defender. He was in college. He's not going to be great in the NBA. But, you know, getting someone who grabs him early as a rookie, you know, gives me hope that he can turn into a solid, at least a solid defender. So. And an above-average offensive player. Right. I mean, that, that, that's the hope. But Dude, I watched some <clears throat> Luka Doncic uh, preseason highlights. Mm-hmm. Is it painful? Yes. Was he, like, unbelievable? He's I, so big. Yeah. Like, that's the thing, too, is his ability to create his own shot. 
you know, to have the handle he has at his size. I mean, he's like a Chris Stapps Porzingis point guard. Yeah, I mean, he's got unbelievable moves and like yeah. his passing. It's it's crazy. I'm still team Trey, especially because we we you have to remember we're getting a first round pick out of that as well. True. Albeit somewhat protected. It's protected, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Trey needs to show us something this year. Yeah, uh, I mean, you got to thank Travis Schlenk. He's going to be defined. You know, maybe it's unfair, but if Donkic goes on to be, you know, a true superstar, a top ten player in the league, and Trey Young winds up being either a bust or just you know, a, another Dennis Schroeder or something like that, he will be vilified. He'll be running out of this town. I mean, he's going to be defined by that move he made on NBA draft night. Yeah, I mean, that's talk about balls making that trade. Yeah, he must have really believed in him. Must yeah, still believe I mean, in him. Donchick. Definitely looks ready right now. Right. Based off the, you know, the one and a half minutes of preseason highlights that I watched. <laughs> which is a pretty big scouting report. That's oh, huge. Uh, yeah, and, and Trey's had his moment in the preseason uh, against the Spurs. I can't I was going to say against Georgia Tech. Against Georgia Tech, yeah, at McCamish, uh, where he hit a buzzer beater from, what, like 35, 36 feet out. I mean, it, it was not near half court, but it was like 15 feet behind the three-point line. Yeah, it was pretty line. sick. I, I, Just, I, it was a Steph Curry-esque shot. Yeah. I immediately thought Curry when I saw that, and it was, it was awesome. I showed that to Veronica the other day. And uh, she was just watching it, and she was just like, she doesn't care about basketball, really. Right. But mm-hmm. she was like, no, he's not about to shoot it from there. Mm-hmm. No. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really exciting. Yeah. So, obviously, I think the big thing to watch this year is, the, is Lloyd Pierce's growth as a coach. And, and, and the way we'll define that is the play on the floor. You know, there's going to be a lot of long, long nights for this basketball team. How does that team respond? Are they keeping their heads up? Are they... Are they are they playing well together? Are, are they developing? It's particularly the, you know, I don't expect Vince Carter to make some massive improvement to his game at this point. He's been playing since 99. I, I do expect, though, to see, you know, Torian Prince to take that next step after a really good season. I expect Trey Young to show me something. I expect Herter to turn into a, a good outside shooter, which I know he is, but I want to see that consistently. I, w- I want to see what we can get from Amari Spellman. I want to see what we can get from the foundation that we're building with, uh, Spellman, with Herder, with Trey Young as kind of our, you know, our poor man's uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. And lastly, I also want to see John Collins make that next step. I want to see him start to really flourish because this will be the first season he's really going to start. Borderline uh, superstar? Borderline, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I mean, like, he he looks fantastic. I know he's injured to start the season. I think he's going to miss the first three games of the year, but... I loved what I saw from him in the summer league. I love everything I read. I mean, I think he's ready to take that next step. And now that he's, you know, has developed a three-point shot, I mean, that's going to completely change his game. Yeah, we got some good pieces in place. Yeah. Um, obviously, everyone's expecting us to be one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, I read a lot of people today said, you know, 20 wins would be, you know, almost reaching. No, there's no way we're going to be that bad. I remember the 2000... Three was it? Two thousand three, two thousand five. Atlanta Hawks wasn't that the team that won? Uh, that was it? the team that won like nine games, thirteen games. Yeah, like that is what a terrible basketball roster looks like. Right. Your best player was was that? That was Antoine Walker and Al Harrington, but mm-hmm. when they weren't good. Right. 
and that was your core. Mm-hmm. And then just a bunch of like college undrafted guys and 40-year-old over-the-hill guys. Right. That's what a terrible team looks like. Right. This, says a, that's, this is not a 13-win team. Right. One guy I like to watch this year is definitely Alex Lynn. Former lottery pick that hasn't really panned out, but has been known to be, as we mentioned a while ago when we acquired him, really good interior defender. I'm interested in knowing how he can contribute this year because he is in the starting lineup tonight, and I assume he's going to uh, probably start the rest of the year, even when Collins comes back. Collins will probably be the four and one will slide in as the five. Well, Deadman's injured. Deadman's injured too, yes. so he'll. It'll be interesting to see how you know if Lloyd Pierce is going to have a, a consistent starting lineup or if he's going to. Rotate guys around. Um, I'm guessing there's going to be a trade or two mid year as well. I don't, I don't yeah. see Vince Carter finishing the year on this. I could see. I could definitely see them keeping Vince. Vince has no trade value. Think about it. He's, he was unsigned until we we signed him like a month and a half before the season started. There's no. You're not going to get he, anything for Vince Carter. What if he goes off? He's not going off. He averaged like five points last year. He's he's a. You don't talk about your locker room veteran presence guy. That's who it is right now. He can still do a couple of things. Maybe he has a nice night where he gets like 10 or 12 points. But So he's David Ross. He's David Ross. Yeah, exactly. He's your Rossi. And the, the, the guy that still has value to me who we absolutely must trade is Kent Bazemore. Yeah. If you don't trade Kent Bazemore, that's a failure. I think he's got one, more, one or two more years left on that deal, that ill-advised Bullenhoser deal, but mm-hmm. uh, he, needs, he needs to go. Not to say that he's not a, a solid player, but... He ain't worth that money, and we can get something for him. We've got to keep one thing that Schlink has done that's been – I'd really like to see he keeps acquiring future draft picks. He has so many draft picks now. He's like – you know, he's trying to be like Danny Ainge. Keep getting draft picks. Keep getting people that – then if, if it's not a draft pick, get someone you can flip again for more draft picks. I mean, just stock them up. What was your prediction for when the Hawks were relevant again? Didn't you say like seven years or some shit like that? What are you talking about? I feel like we were talking about the Hawks earlier this year, and you said the Hawks aren't going to like be sniffing any oh. sort of championship for another seven years. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe seven years is so long. I know these rebuilds take a long. Trey Young's going to be gone. He's not going to be gone. It'll be like twenty. He's not. He's like nineteen. He'll be in the prime of his career. He'll be twenty-five years old. Basketball players play, you know, the good ones. Yeah, but then you'll have to sign him to. All right, seven hundred million dollar. If he's worth it, then why the fuck did you trade Luka Doncic if you're taking that attitude? Because I don't think these things take seven years. Well, this maybe won't take seven years. I don't know. It's going to take at least three to three to five years at a minimum to me before this team contends. I'll I'll, I'll give you two to three years. Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna have at least three years of shit. You're gonna have shit basketball every year. You're gonna struggle and watch these young guys play and see if they can develop. If Trey Young warrants, you know, your uh, supposed $700 million contract and he's balling out, by God, you give it to him because that's why you drafted him with your, you know, that's why you made the trade uh, and, and trade away Donkic for him. That's why you're making those renovations to State Farm Arena so you got that extra revenue coming in so you can give these guys $700 million. Sure, even though it's a salary cap league. Off of the haircuts. And that has nothing to do with it. Oh, it has something to do with it. <laughs> and... So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle. You shouldn't hold out hope for some miracle run where we get like the five seed and losing the second round like we normally do uh, over that ten year run. That's not gonna happen. Eastern Conference is probably still terrible, though, right? Who, who's that? Eastern Conference. Yeah, I imagine so. I mean, there's there's definitely a big void now that LeBron's on the West Coast. I mean, I think 
that Boston and Philly are definitely the, the top contenders in the Eastern Conference. Um, Toronto will be interesting now that they've gotten um, Kawhi Leonard. But, I mean, yeah, the East isn't this foregone conclusion like it normally was. Even then the Cavs had down years, and even though we were like, oh, the Cavs are nothing, you knew in your heart of hearts that LeBron was going to will them to the finals like he did every year. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out of the East. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Eastern Conference has changed drastically. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the next few years, but don't, you know, don't get, just don't get your hopes up this year and just enjoy watching these young guys develop. It's almost like stress-free basketball, at least for this first couple of months, because, you know, you can't really make any conclusions about anybody, especially the rookies, after a couple of months. So just, just watch the games, enjoy it, and, and take notes on what you're seeing from, from these young guys. I think that's, that's the approach you got to have. So you're not going to be stressing out over every single game? No, and I, I know this too. I think I only watched... Three Hawks games last year. Oh, Graham. I mean, I kept up with them, but I only watched. It was just painful basketball, man. Uh, with very unexciting players, with the exception of Prince and, and Collins. Yeah, with Schroeder not giving a shit, that really put a damper on things. And now we can wipe the slate clean. We don't have any bad locker room guys. We just have a bunch of young guys trying to prove themselves with the ultimate veteran presence and Vince Carter, who will also help them. And we'll see what Lloyd Pierce does. I mean, I think it's an exciting time for Atlanta Hawks basketball. Honestly, it's the most excited I've been about the team since we went on that run in the 2014-2015 season. So what's your, what's your number for wins this year? Uh, I put it at 23. I think we get 23 wins, which is around – I think we had 24 last year. I think we did 23. Is that it? 24? Was yeah. that bad? Mm-hmm. I just think with the, with the youth it's going to be a struggle, but I think it will be entertaining, and I look forward to seeing what they can do out there. We're going to a game this year, right? Oh, definitely. We definitely got to go to a game. Like, Hawks games, we went to so many Hawks games as kids. And, uh, and we went to some as we got older, too. But, you know, we definitely got to We definitely gotta hit up. We got to see the new State Farm Arena until the users, what it's like. Yeah. The quote-unquote new State Farm Arena. They had some, like, ridiculous-looking temporary sign-up that when I drove past it yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, was just, it like just on, like, a, a yeah, it was like cardboard something I, or something? Something I would make on a poster board. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's like they printed out State Farm Arena and then... Glue like used a glue stick and you, put it up there. You know, it'd be even funnier is if they put that sign they covered like Phillips and just left Arena, and just, <laughs> yeah. just State Farm, and then Arena, the actual Arena. Yeah, that'd been funny. But uh, yeah, what's your win? What's your win total? Twenty nine. Wow. 30, to thirty. To thirty. To thirty two. Yeah. Man, that might be good enough to get in the fucking playoffs. Yeah. You know, in, the, in the Eastern Conference. We'll be sniffing it, man. Yeah. So. We'll see what happens. But, Adam, I think that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Atlanta Zone. Oh, we're out of time? Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, man. I know we really want to talk about some United, but, you know, I think the, the, the time has passed. We dropped the ball again. Yep. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, another thing we forgot to mention to the users hmm. is this is our last episode of Season 1 of Atlanta Zone. Wait, how does that? How does season one work? I don't know. I don't make the rules, man. But where's this coming from? This was our finale. Oh, this, this was the end of season one. So next week we'll be coming back with a brand new season of Atlanta Zone. That's really interesting. So your concept of season is March of one year to October the next. Never seen anyone quantify a season quite like that before. What's your point? It's bold. So audacious. Beginning of baseball season to end of, end of baseball season, Graham. Does that not make sense? Although we skipped a season. 
that's what I'm saying. It's like we started in March of 2017. It doesn't matter, Graham. It's the end of season one. It's the end of season one. So we're going to have a new format next week. We'll see what happens, I guess. Exactly. End of season one. Cliffhanger, right? I guess, uh, yeah. So thank you all for uh, tuning into the season finale of (laughs) Atlanta Zone. Be sure to tune in uh, next week for the start of season two. And God knows how long that'll go. Brand new season, brand new content. Yeah. Same old guys. Yep. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. So last thing we'll mention before we sign off, it's Steve Holman, who's the radio voice of the Atlanta Hawks. It is his 2,500th game tonight calling Atlanta Hawks basketball. He's, uh, I consider, the best radio guy in terms of play-by-play in the city, probably in the history of the city. His poise, his focus, his emotion, and the way he wears his heart on his sleeve is fantastic. Unlike a lot of other broadcasters, you know, he's going to call out people when they make horrible plays, um, whether they be on the on your team or on the other team. He's, he's like a fan calling a game, except he has an immense knowledge of the game, and it's like you're watching it every time you hear him call it. And he's 64 years old, still going strong. This is his 30th season. If you haven't heard him call a game before, do yourself a favor this year and turn on 92.9 The Game. It doesn't matter if the Hawks are, you know, 40 games under 500 or if they've won 60 games. He has that same level of intensity, same passion. And I just love the fact that unlike some other people in this town who called, you know, who called games, actually, they stay on, he stays on point. He stays focused. He does play-by-play and color. At the same time, pretty much. He's calling the play, and then he analyzes it real quick and then keeps calling the game. He's fantastic, and um, hats off to Steve Holman. Here's to another 2,500 calls for this uh, fantastic broadcaster and, uh, and, and Hawks man who is the definition of being true to Atlanta. So you think he's calling games at 94? I think he at least calls them until he's 75. I don't think he'll squeeze 2,500 in. Probably not. But, you know, that's kind of just... I get the sentence. That's the same. Yes, sure. Right. Sure. That's all. Cheers. Cheers.